Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm your host, Karen T, and this is Cookies and Crime. I'm just going to jump into today's cookie because I am so excited for this one. First of all, this is the first set of cookies that have been sent to me to review on Cookies and Crime podcast, which is so crazy to me. Because sure, I've been sent cookies in the past, but this is for the podcast. It just feels so podcasty to have cookies sent to me so that I can review it on the podcast. Just a little win for today. So these cookies were sent by Last Crumb and if you've followed me on social media for a while, you've seen me review their cookies before. And if you haven't heard of Last Crumb, they are a luxury cookie company based in LA and they create these curated luxury cookie boxes that they send to you. And it's like a whole experience when you receive a Last Crumb box. They blew up almost a year ago because the first time I tried them was last December and they were selling out left and right and I believe it's because that really famous food reviewer I believe his name is like Keith Lee or Keith something after he reviewed it or after he reviews anything really places sell out left and right he causes lines out the door and so I really had to try it for myself at that time and they were really good. First of all, they come in this massive, like really good sturdy box. It's almost like a sneaker drop, even though I'm not into sneakers myself and I don't know why I know that reference, but it was such an experience getting the box. It's so cute. I love their marketing because they're kind of like snarky and they just know that they're over the top. And each box is different, so you're not always getting all the same flavors, which is another reason why I've tried several boxes of theirs, because depending on the flavor, I really wanna try it. And I'll be honest too, not all of them are like, wow, this was worth a $140 box, but they do have some really, really solid flavors. And the one I'm holding right now is one I have not tried yet, but I'm so excited about because it's just my favorite flavor of all time and if you know me by this point you will have guessed that it has sprinkles on it so this is last crumbs everything but the candles birthday cake cookie but regardless of the sprinkles i love birthday cake flavor it's just so nostalgic and it's like sugar flavored sugar and i love sugar so why wouldn't i like it also, I did not mean to gloss over it, but yes, each box is $140. I know this is not for every day. It's not for everyone. As a cookie connoisseur, I feel like for me, it makes sense. And I think it's nice to get this box like for a special occasion, or I feel like I was about to be on my period when I bought this box. And so I was just craving sugar like no other. So yes, it's a very expensive dozen cookies, but again, it's an experience. It's not for every day. And I think you should at least try it once maybe if you love cookies or you love desserts. 
Before I open this, I'm going to read the ingredients in the back because it's pretty funny. So it says ingredients, cake batter. Why? Um, because it's a birthday cake cookie. Caramelized butter, because it's way tastier and bougier than regular butter. Vanilla frosting, because everyone hates that ass hat that shows up to the birthday party with some random icing flavor. Oh, and there is also confetti and sprinkles because we're celebrating your pretty face. So that is the ingredients list. And that should just tell you how this cookie company uh, markets their cookies. And with that, I'm going to try this cookie. So let's open her up. Okay. So the cookie is coated in rainbow nonpareil sprinkles. So obviously my eyes completely gravitate towards it immediately. Oh my gosh. Oh, it is that classic sprinkle birthday cake smell. Heaven, heaven. So I'm just gonna take a bit off the side. Okay. Mm. It's a very light flavored cookie. Like when I take a bite into it, there's nothing really overpowering about it. A cookie can be like a five out of 10, but if you cover that thing in sprinkles, bumps it up to like at least a six and a half for me. That is how ridiculous I am with sprinkles. I don't know, there's just something about it. Oh shoot, you know what you guys? I just have to stop myself because I told myself I was going to take a picture of the cookie before I eat it for each episode and I almost forgot. So I went ahead and took pictures and I also microwaved it to see how it tastes warm because I'm sure it's gonna be different. Okay, what I appreciate about this cookie is that I feel like birthday cake flavor can be made overly sweet and this cookie is not overly sweet at all. I think this cookie also has the perfect texture for a birthday cake cookie. It's not too soft and it's not too dense. I do wish that there was more of like a flavor profile, like more vanilla. I think it's a pretty solid cookie. I would say it's not my favorite out of all of their flavors. I had a box where they had a pistachio cookie and there's like a pistachio like injector thing that comes with it. That one was super, super good. And they also have a cinnamon roll cookie. That one was out of this freaking world. That one was so good. So again, you know, not all of them are going to be top hitters, but all of their cookies have been pretty solid. And these cookies are massive, so they are for sharing. As I've been talking, I've eaten basically half of this massive cookie. Also, it's like 10.30 in the morning and I have not eaten anything yet today. But that was the birthday cake cookie by Last Crumb. I feel like my stomach is twisting in knots now since that was the first thing I ate. Um, but you know, I'm an adult. <laughs> I can handle it. Anyway, on to the true crime case of today. I am covering the Lululemon murder. This case has been requested by multiple people. And honestly, I have never heard of the Lululemon murder before people requested it. And for some reason in my mind, I thought I had an idea of what the case was. I always thought it was the Lululemon murders. So I thought there were multiple murders. And for some reason, I thought in my head it had to do with like 
the founder or some members high up in Lululemon who were like killing people. I thought it was like some weird millionaire yogi just like secretly like killing people for some reason. Like that's what I thought the Lululemon murder was. But after researching it, it's still a super fascinating case. And it's one of those cases where you just think, how did this happen? Why did this happen? But anyway, I digress. Let's get into this case. It's time for cookies and crime. This is the Lululemon murder. On March 12, 2011, a manager of the Bethesda Lululemon store, Rachel Ortley, arrived in the morning around 8 a.m. to find the door unlocked and a mess of clothes inside. She could hear a faint moaning coming from the back of the store. Scared, she asked a man outside who was waiting near the Apple store just next door to help her search the store. In the back of the store, the man found a bloody mess out of a horror film. There's bloody footprints all over the store and thick splatters of blood running down the walls. The man yelled to Rachel, who stood in front, to call the police. The stranger found a woman lying in a back hallway, face down in a pool of blood. Another woman was found in the bathroom, seemingly semi-conscious, with zip ties binding her wrists and ankles with blood on her face. The manager immediately called 911. In the recording, she tells the 911 operator, there's two people. There's a woman that's alive and breathing. She's tied up. One person seems dead and the other person is breathing. These women were Lululemon employees. 28-year-old Brittany Norwood was in the store's bathroom. She's laying on the ground, tied up with her hands above her head. It's a bloody mess. There seems to be cuts all over her body, including her face and stomach, and there's a slit cut into her crotch. The other woman was 30-year-old Jaina Murray. She had been dead for hours. Her skull was fractured and spinal cord severed by a wound. She also had a slit in her crotch as if there was a sexual assault attempt. Her autopsy showed 331 injuries with six or seven different weapons. She was bludgeoned, choked, and stabbed. She was alive for most of it. It was a fit of rage that was taken out on this innocent woman. Injuries this extensive don't typically occur unless it was done by someone known to the person. To the medical examiner, this was the most injuries they'd ever seen in a case. Already, everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This case sounds like it's straight out of a horror film. I mean, more than 330 injuries on one person and six or seven different weapons. That 
is torture. Someone tortured this poor woman. I mean, I don't think it takes 331 tries to try to murder someone. So obviously someone was in a fit of rage or someone really wanted to cause this person pain. Jaina Murray was a Texas native and a relatively new transplant to Bethesda. She had two master's degrees and was working on another. Her professor at John Hopkins University, where she was a graduate student pursuing an MBA, told her Lululemon had a great corporate model and she should write her dissertation about it. She was adventurous and loved to bungee jump, but also loved yoga. So working part-time at Lululemon in many ways made sense. She had studied and lived in many places. She was described as being very positive and believed in second chances. When officers arrived at the scene, Brittany would not open her eyes or speak to the officers. She looked traumatized. Brittany was rushed to Suburban Hospital. They hoped she would survive, as she was the only witness to this crime. She would be the only real help for this case. The story of this murder shook the town. There were potential murderers on the loose. Bethesda, Maryland is located just outside of Washington, D.C. Bethesda is the most highly educated city in the entire country, tied with Cambridge, Massachusetts, and is one of the richest cities in the country. It's an upscale, wealthy area with a low crime rate. This Lululemon store, where Jaina and Brittany worked, was in the downtown shopping district. How could such a gruesome crime happen in this type of city? After Brittany was discharged from the hospital, she was formally interviewed. She said after they had clothes but gone back in the store for forgotten items, two men followed them in wearing all black. One was shorter and one was taller. They then brutally attacked the woman. One attacker had Brittany by the hair and threatened to slit her throat. All while Jaina was yelling and fighting as the other attacker kept hitting her. She claims they were also sexually assaulted. One attacker even used a clothing hanger on her. Jaina was taken to the back of the store where Brittany heard her being violently beaten while Brittany's attacker brought her to the bathroom and kept asking her, where's the money? In her interview, she was really remorseful that she couldn't help Jaina out while she was being bludgeoned to death. Black lights showed that someone tried cleaning up blood. To the naked eye, there was still blood all around, but underneath the light, the sink seems to light up from all the blood someone had tried to wash down the sink. There were also two different bloody shoe prints around the store, one that seemed like a bigger man's shoe and the other much smaller. There were no security cameras in that store, which goes to show how safe the neighborhood could be at the time. But a camera from another store caught two men in black walking in the back parking lot. One was shorter and one was taller, just like Brittany said. Local police thought they might know who these men were. A couple of the officers knew of a homeless man who walked around the area at night. He was kind of known to the area and was known to be unhinged at times and would yell at people on the street. I think it's kind of funny how Bethesda is described as this very, very safe city, but you still have some people who can kind of scare you if you were walking out at night or walking by yourself. His name was Keith Lockett. When they looked into him, he had just been at the hospital recovering just about the same time Brittany was being treated. When he had arrived to the hospital, he also had blood all over him. So he became a solid suspect. He had an extensive criminal record, but when asked about it, he denied any involvement in the murder and said he went to the hospital because he got in a fight with another homeless man. 
But investigators then found out that Lockett hung out with another man who was shorter than him, and a witness claimed to have seen them both walking around the area of the Lululemon store. It fit the descriptions and crimes so closely, but just as soon as they became suspects, they were eliminated. Officers determined they were not involved in the murders, and the two men in the video were actually just two dishwashers at a nearby Tex-Mex restaurant going home from work and had nothing to do with the case. All of it was pure coincidence. That is a pretty wild coincidence, how finding this footage of two men in black sent them down a completely wrong path to investigate. And the fact that he had been at the hospital at the same time and was also covered in blood, I mean that it fits so well at the time into the case. And it also makes me think, depending on who the officers were or where this happened, I wonder if an officer would just say, nope, it's you, I'm not gonna believe whatever you say because you're a homeless man who's known to scream at people and you are going to be arrested for this murder because all of this fits just too well. Like that's kind of a scary thought and I feel like that does and that has happened in the past where certain things seem to fit and so the officer's like, oh, well, case solved. Gina's car was found three blocks away from the store. In the car, they found blood. But the DNA didn't match to Jaina. It was Brittany's. So they interview her without telling her they have this information. Investigators ask her if she's ever seen or been in Jaina's car. She takes a second to think about it and says she may have seen it once but doesn't know the make or model. But then the next day, she calls investigators and says she wants to come back and talk to them. She tells them she lied about Jaina's car. She said she had been in her car the night of the attack because the attackers made her move Jaina's car. According to Brittany, the attackers wanted Jaina's car moved because she was double parked in front of the store since she thought she'd be inside for only a minute. The attackers thought it might draw attention. I don't feel like cops are going to stop in the middle of the night and be like, hey, this car is double parked. This is some serious business. We should write a ticket. They're also not going to think, oh my gosh, this car is double parked. Someone is probably being murdered at this moment. According to Brittany, the attackers made her find Gina's car keys and told her to move it and if she tried drawing attention to herself while in the car, they would kill her. They also didn't join her in the car. They were just watching her move the car three blocks down. But they also threatened her and told her they knew where she lived. While she was outside the store, Norwood said she saw a police officer and two other people on the street, but she didn't ask for assistance and returned to the store through the unlocked door. That just absolutely makes no sense. The, like if someone were to tell me the story in front of my face, I would be so confused. Why would attackers that seem super vicious let you get into a car without them, drive it three blocks away, and trust that you're going to come back just because they said, I know where you live. I would get in that car, drive calmly until I'm out of sight and then just go for it. I would not return home. I would find a police officer on the street or find a place that's still like open and ask someone for their phone or ask them to alert the police. But there's a lot going on in this story about the attackers. Brittany also described the attackers as racists, rapists, robbers, and murderers. 
that's like all the crimes in the book. Like that's worse than John Wayne Gacy or Ted Bundy who only fit two, maybe three of those things. So obviously this story is not making a lot of sense to the investigators. Her story and the evidence they are finding more and more of are not matching up. One of the major questions is why is there a massive difference in Jaina's injuries and Brittany's injuries? Jaina had 331 separate injuries caused by six different weapons. Brittany has a few superficial cuts and was tied up. Why was she not as hurt as Jaina? The wounds on Brittany also had the characteristics of self-inflicted wounds. Brittany also claimed they were sexually assaulted, but there was no evidence of it. In addition to the video footage from the back parking lot, the Apple store next door also brought up new evidence. A female Apple manager heard an argument on the other side of the wall at around 10 p.m. that night. Two women were arguing with each other at the same time they were supposedly being attacked by two hooded men. Gina can be heard saying, talk to me, don't do this, talk to me, and oh God, please help me. The Apple store employees just thought it was drama. I feel like those employees probably felt such guilt after they found out what really happened because I don't blame them for just thinking it was drama because who jumps to, oh, someone must be getting viciously murdered on the other side in a Lululemon store because certain coworkers don't like each other sometimes and maybe it was a heated conversation, but to them, they had to make sense of it and it made sense that it was just drama. So the story of the two men in black really didn't make sense. But there's one last thing to consider. Why were there bloody footprints from a man's shoe? Looking at the footprints, they walked around the store, but none led outside. So the footprints started in the store and never left. Other similar shoes were found in the store, which were used for customers who needed to get their pants hemmed. The men's size 14 shoes used to make the footprints belong to the store. They were bloodied, cleaned, and then put back where they were taken from. The other smaller footprints matched the shoe that Brittany had wore the day of Jaina's murder. All the items used to kill Jaina were all items found within the store, including a hammer, wrench, box cutters, and a merchandise peg. If the attackers were as Brittany described them, rapists, racists, robbers, and murderers, they came very ill-prepared relying on just what they could find as weapons in a Lululemon. Jaina's blood was also found on Brittany's shoes and socks. Brittany said herself, she wasn't able to reach Jaina when she was being attacked. How is Jaina's blood in her socks? Brittany this whole time was seen as a victim. Originally from Washington State, she is one of nine children. She was an attractive, smart woman who went to college on a full ride on a soccer scholarship. But others who knew her saw Brittany in a different light. She went to college for soccer, but was then kicked out and lost her scholarship after they found out she was stealing from her teammates. One ex-teammate said, other girls on the team told me things like, watch your locker, keep it locked. She's been known to steal things. Some people close to her knew she loved to steal and saw it as a quirk of hers. One friend from college said that's just something she does until they had a fallout when Brittany stole some money and a designer shirt from her. She was described as sweet, funny, and amazing soccer player she just loved to steal. After she was kicked out of school, she went to live with her sister. 
She then found work as a front desk clerk at the William Intercontinental Hotel. She did so well that she was promoted to managing VIP guests. Although it was a great job, she still dreamt of an athletic career and decided she wanted to be a personal trainer. That's how she ended up at Lululemon. She was also accused of stealing from an ex-boyfriend where she broke into his house. These petty thefts were never documented and she never had a criminal history. But multiple people have stepped forward to say that their things have gone missing when working or hanging out with her. But how does petty theft lead to a brutal, gory murder? Well, being a Lululemon employee, and in general, a retail employee, Lululemon's protocol was that if two people are closing a store, they would check each other's bag to make sure no one was stealing. But that night, Jenna found a stolen item in Brittany's bag, a pair of yoga pants. When Jaina found it, she informed Brittany she'd have to report it to the manager. This is what caused the heated argument heard by employees. After the argument, they both left and Jaina closed up as she had the keys. But Brittany did not want to go down for a pair of yoga pants. She was determined to never have the manager find out about it. So she devised a quick, evil plan. Unknown to her, after Jaina left the store, she called the manager and told her about the theft and the manager said she would deal with it tomorrow. I feel like most of us would call Brittany a kleptomaniac. By definition, kleptomania is the desire to steal when that person doesn't really need it. You actually get serotonin from stealing. It's not out of being hungry or not having clothes or needing that item. They want to steal it regardless of what it is. So whether she is or isn't a kleptomaniac, Brittany loved to steal. And I don't think she liked taking accountability for what she's doing. It seems like, in a sense, she feels like she's allowed to take these items maybe out of injustice. Maybe she didn't grow up with as much as her peers and them losing something is not as important as her gaining something. Or maybe simply, she doesn't think it's a big deal if she takes things for herself. But in this case, I don't think she feels guilty for stealing this item especially because it's from a corporation. What's this one pair of yoga pants going to do to the company? And the fact that she is probably going to lose her job over this is triggering for her. She already lost a whole ride to college, a whole degree, a whole career because she stole things from her teammates and it's about to happen to her again. She probably laid low for a while after the college incident and maybe she thought, what's one pair of yoga pants? She knew she's gotten away with stealing countless times before. Maybe it's time to try again. But she got caught. And the fact that another person who shouldn't even care that much because what's it to her if her employer gets cheated out of is going to tell on her. And that made her really upset. Although they were coworkers, they weren't friends or close in any manner. Jaina had never mentioned Brittany ever to her family. Jaina had already left six minutes ago after she locked the doors to the store, so Brittany had to find a way to get her to come back. Brittany called Jaina and told her she left her wallet in the store. In it was her metro pass for the train, which she needed to get home. Jaina says it's fine. She noticed she didn't get her laptop anyway, so she headed back for the store. Once inside, the first hit was to the back of her head when she wasn't looking. The rest, you can imagine what went down. In my entire existence, I have only known two people who love to steal. 
One was a childhood friend, and this was like in kindergarten, but my stuff would go missing all the time, and all of a sudden, she would have them. And it was just like the most frustrating thing when they deny it, but we were kids, we were in kindergarten, and she got over it, so we're still friends. <laughs> and then another one was in high school, and it didn't happen to me, but just through the grapevine, I heard of this girl who would go over to her friend's house and steal like expensive stuff and they had to confront her about it and i think she just got quiet about it or maybe denied it i'm not sure but those people are so interesting i just feel like something ignites them to want to steal now to make her story work Brittany had to be attacked too so using a razor she cut herself one of these self-inflicted wounds was on her forehead which also gave her away the blood that dripped from that wound went downwards onto her face, meaning she had been standing up for a while before being laid on the ground. Using zip ties from the store, she tied herself up and waited until the next day for a co-worker to come in and find two victims. Then she spun her elaborate lies to the police, but they soon caught up with her. I feel like she lay there for hours just spinning the whole story that she was going to give to the police. She was trying to fill like all the holes of her story. She probably tried acting out certain scenarios. But look, something like this, you cannot get away with. I feel like she got them off track for certain moments, but it was always going to come back to her. Like the evidence in this case was overwhelming. So Brittany Norwood was arrested a week after the crime. On January 27th, 2012, the jury came to a guilty verdict of a first-degree murder charge within just 20 minutes. Brittany was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. Circuit Court Judge Robert Greenberg locked eyes with Brittany and called her cold-blooded, brutal, calculated, deliberate, devious, and malicious. Everyone in the room, which had more than 200 people, including family members of Brittany and Jaina, applauded at the verdict. Brittany, speaking publicly for the first time since the killing, briefly addressed Murray's family before learning her punishment. She said, Before I go to prison, I needed you to hear how deeply sorry I am. And now she's locked away for good. And that is the case of the Lululemon murder. So the thing I find interesting about this case is that when you look at Brittany, she looks like a completely normal person when you hear her speak she just sounds like an east coast valley girl she just sounds like a preppy girl and the way she holds herself the way she smiles i mean the fact that she's had a soccer scholarship and then gruesomely murdered this woman in one of the most gruesome cases ever is just insane she just doesn't look like a killer she looks like a regular preppy girl civilian from an upscale city and hearing her speak from her interviews, she sounds like an educated woman, but she also sounds like she was spinning a story. And certain things she said to the cops, like the attacker said, if you try to escape, you can consider yourself dead. Like what movie did you grab that from? Because what attacker is talking like that? And I think because she looks so normal, she has no criminal history, they of course saw her as a victim, at first and for like a good time until the evidence just couldn't say anything else. How do you go from petty theft to one of the most gruesome murders I've ever heard of? It's just crazy. 331 injuries, no criminal record, make it make sense to me. 
this just sounds like it's from a TV show or a movie. Like it should be Pretty Little Liars or something. Like these Lululemon employees getting into an argument over yoga pants and then she murders her coworker over it. Those better have been some really, really nice yoga pants. Okay, let's jump into some cookies and crime trivia. For the cookie part, since I tried a birthday cake cookie, let's talk about the birthday cake. So birthday cakes go way, way back, I'm sure. But why do we do everything that we do when it comes to a birthday cake? Specifically for this question, where did the idea of putting candles on a birthday cake come from? Is it A, during times with no electricity, people would put candles on cakes so that they can see the birthday person's face? B, candles were put on moon-shaped cakes to make them look like they were glowing like the moon. C, putting candles on cakes were invented by a candle company to sell more candles. Or D, a scene from an old movie sparked the idea of using candles on birthday cakes. Which one is it? I will give you five seconds. Are you ready? It's B, candles were put on moon-shaped cakes to make it look like it was glowing like the moon. So in ancient Greece, worshippers brought moon-shaped cakes to the temple of Artemis, the goddess of the moon and the hunt. The cakes were decorated with lit candles in order to make them glow like the moon. So the origin of putting candles on birthday cakes doesn't even have to do with birthdays. And these are the things you never really think about. Like why do we put candles into birthday cakes? It's just instilled in our minds that that's the way that things are. They must have put a lot of candles on that cake though, like even on the sides to make it look like it was glowing. It was probably like a fireball in their hands. Speaking of that now, I kind of want to make a moon-shaped cake and put candles all over it. Just paying an homage to the origins of the birthday cake. Okay, now onto the true crime trivia. Since this case is about a stolen pair of yoga pants, Let's talk about kleptomania. Kleptomania is seen as an actual mental health disorder, but does it affect men or women more? I feel like this one might be a little bit obvious, but I will give you five seconds anyway. So kleptomania affects women more. So around 63% of people who report having the condition are female. There's actually a lot of interesting statistics when it comes to kleptomania and kleptomania actually co-occurs along with other mental health disorders pretty frequently. For example, kleptomania and mood disorders. So 35% of people with kleptomania also have mood disorders. Also impulse control and kleptomania, about 20 to 46% of people with kleptomania obviously don't have impulse control. And even bulimia, this is one of the highest ones with a very strong correlation. 65% of individuals with kleptomania also suffer from bulimia. And I think to a lot of us, kleptomania doesn't seem like a mental disorder. It's someone who just loves to steal, but it does have a root cause. But of course, if you're stealing things, it's still illegal. Very little is still known about kleptomania and you still will be charged as a criminal if you steal. So now you know a little bit more about kleptomania. So that is it for this episode. And if you have any cases that you would like for me to cover, please let me know on my Instagram, Cookies and Crime Official. I have a little list going, but honestly, it's not that 
big. And so I'm trying to add more cases to it. I mean, there's always sadly going to be an endless amount of cases to talk about, but I would love to hear from you guys what you would like to hear. And also because I'm recently engaged and planning an engagement party right now, I am going to look into cases about couples because we all know a lot of stuff goes on there. But that's it for now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Give me a follow on Instagram, especially if we want to see what the cookie looked like. Maybe buy some merch. But other than that, I will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Cookies and Crime podcast. And remember to eat sweets and stay alive.